Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan. Back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course for, to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Prodigy, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Cicero Holmes, and I am joined again by my good friend, Tyler Monaghan. Hey, Ty. There. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, and I'm also joined by two members of our regular panel the expert of science, Dr. Rachel Clow. Hey. <laughs> and uh, somewhere in space, we found our captain, Chris Clow. <laughs> Just drifting in circles <laughs> and uh, running out of air. And I was just about to, to yank the patch off and end it for good. And then who finds me but the very capable and venerable Cicero Holmes. Hey, well, we, we, you know, we had we had to find you guys. You guys had the beacon on. It was almost like uh, it was like that episode of uh, Voyager with Janeway and Chakotay on the planet growing space cucumbers. It was peaceful. It was nice, but responsibility calls. Yes. So, so well, here we are. Back. Oh well, thank uh, you, my friend. Thank yeah. you for for ably carrying the torch for this show in the yeah. time that we have been diverted elsewhere. It's much appreciated. Uh, I, I I appreciate the praise. I think the torch was carried. I don't know if ably is the is the right oh, uh, adjective to use, but uh, but I'll take it. I'll take it <laughs> with authority. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> you know what though? It it has been quite some time since both of you have had a chance to talk to everyone. So Rachel, uh, how are you? What have you been up to since we last spoke? And and how have you been engaging with with the franchise? I am very well. I survived COVID. (laughs) Um, Congrats. Yes. Well, you know, knock on wood, I guess it's not over yet. But when when it came to our household, (laughs) we were okay. So that's good. Um, Yeah. So um, how have I been engaging? I watched watched some old TNG season ones, Um, you know. They're kind of bad, but we love them. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but other than that, not I haven't been doing too much, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's TNG's a, a a real comfort comforting blanket. Uh, yes. Just good good background background noise. It is it is the law and order of of Star Trek shows. Um, perfectly bad and and great at the same time. Uh, Chris, uh, I think, I think you were on, uh, I guess the last time you were on was a couple of episodes ago, but, uh, since then we've had Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, MLK day, and you celebrated a birthday. 
I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what have you been up to and how have you been engaging with Trek? Well, I mean, I, I was a little surprised when COVID came for our household because we don't know where the hell it came from and how it managed to sneak in. I mean, we have a joke that our cat Daisy is our coronavirus marshal because she always seems to be patrolling everything and trying to keep <laughs> everybody in their corner and also away from her. But uh, yeah, it was it that definitely threw threw me for a loop. And then on top of that, um, we had just come off of pretty much like a week straight of being snowed in because if there's an inch of snow on the ground in the pacific northwest it's not like chicago where it's just like not a big deal and they have the infrastructure to clear it out and everything's fine uh everything shuts down and we drive a toyota corolla so it's not the most (laughs) able vehicle in snow so we came off of that and then just shortly after that um we we got the news that our daughter had tested positive for the virus Um, But thankfully, she bounced back because whether I had COVID or something else, uh, she weathered it far better than I did. Um, She she's just a very resilient little girl. And um, I'm thankful for that, obviously. But in terms of how I've been engaging with the Star Trek franchise, um, I have been periodically just kind of revisiting a couple of episodes here and there. I've been checking in to a couple of the the novels that I missed. I still haven't finished the um, the Mirror Georgiou novel that came out oh, yeah. a while ago, probably like a year and a half or two years ago now, but that was the one I left off on. And then I also checked back into the autobiography of Catherine Janeway as narrated by Kate Mulgrew. And I find that particularly to be really charming. It was written by... Uh, Una McCormick, who, and since then, she had also released the autobiography of Spock, uh, which I find impeccably written as just a a display of who that character is at his core. And I love Spock. I mean, he's one of my all-time favorite fictional characters, bar none. So getting a new solid representation of him that's also really kind of comprehensive is something that I really appreciate. But also... I'm just really over here looking forward to Star Trek Resurgence, the video game that's supposed to be dropping, they say, in spring, which is pretty close, all things considered. But we haven't seen anything since it was revealed at the Game Awards. Um, But uh, like a Telltale-style Star Trek game that takes place in the 24th century, and they got a pretty decent sound alike to be Ambassador Spock. Yeah. I'm here for it. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. You and I are, are uh, similarly attuned uh, with respect to to that game. I am very, very excited for that. Um, but also, like you, uh, I've heard absolutely nothing um, uh, with with regard to where where that game is in development or or any more details beyond what we what we received at the Game Awards in December. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ty, it's, it's, uh, it looks fun. Yeah, as as a fellow gamer, have you have you looked at this game? I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't know anything about this. I'm I'm writing this down. I'm like excited to, <laughs> oh, okay. to look it up, but uh, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of games uh, coming out until they actually are released uh, yes. <laughs> these days. <laughs> sure, I feel like you got to take the year that you initially hear add two years and that's when you can expect the uh like 
preview release or something like that. But uh, again, I don't know anything about this title, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no problem. This is uh, this is a uh, Star Trek game that takes place in the 24th century that is Telltale style. So, <clears throat> so presumably episodic, um, presumably uh, branching, branching dialogue. Uh, trees and and choices that will play out in different ways but it could be completely linear and an isometric shooter and we just we just don't know yeah based on chris's uh pitch there i mean i'm i'm pretty much sold uh so so it's funny you mentioned uh potentially episodic because there is a uh an faq posted on the game's official website and one of the FAQs is, is it episodic? And they say, no, Star Trek Resurgence oh. is a single large story that will be able in, that will be available, I guess, is what that means, entirely upon upon release. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, I mean, they, they say, okay, so how many playable characters? Two principal characters. Direct control of movement of characters are in the third person. It's set in the year 2380, immediately following the Star Trek The Next Generation feature films. Features an all-new crew and an all-new starship, but also includes characters that are fan favorites, and we know one of those is Spock. So uh, it even has, um, I guess it's the Epic Unreal Engine, uh, published independently in partnership with Epic Games under license from CBS. And no DLC, no microtransactions, no additional monetization models. So you get what you get and you like it. Yep. <laughs> what an idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you know what? It is it is new trek. Um it it is trek in a different medium and and I think of the ways that you can play you can interact with Star Trek. I think that this is one of the better ways to do it. I don't know if like, you know, they've tried to do like action style games star trek really doesn't lend itself well to that um the the like the space battles where it's you know star wars-esque star trek really doesn't lend itself well to those games there was the that xbox 360 game that was yeah legacy 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 it was it was all right yeah um But I mean, there are a couple of exceptions to what you do. In fact, if you are on the the GOG store, they just released a whole slew of uh, of Star Trek games from the from the 3D era that were published by Activision, which is probably one of the best Star Trek gaming periods ever, maybe the best. Hmm. So there are a couple of games that I would recommend. Um, the Elite Force games are first person shooters. The first one takes place aboard Voyager and has the entire cast participate. And uh, I love that game immensely. I think I even said as much on an episode of this show. I did like a look back at Star Trek games and Elite Force is certain. And and all these games are like 10 bucks a piece on the GOG store. And they're they're tailored to run on modern PCs. Uh, And the RTS Star Trek Armada games also absolutely worth playing. Yeah. RTS, other, RTS is the other is the other one that I think lends itself well, perfectly. Yeah, yeah. They they did do a ground based Star Trek RTS game, but why would you want to do that? I mean, yeah, play yeah. play the ship based ones. Yeah. You know, Armada the Armada games are great. 
Um, and then Bridge Commander, Star Trek yes, Bridge Commander is great. So yeah. if you have an extra, you know, 10 bucks to check out at least one of those games, right. by all means, go do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know wait, if you wait long enough, maybe they will be part of Game Pass if, if you're a, a Game yeah, Pass really. subscriber with, hard, hard with, with uh, Activision's uh, acquisition. Um, well, that was a uh, video game talk <laughs> uh, <laughs> here on the Star Trek video game talk. But we're here to talk about Star Trek on television. Um, and more specifically, today we're here to talk about Star Trek Prodigy now that it's had its its second hiatus i guess uh but uh two things one um i guess i'll i'll ask what i already know um but rachel and chris how have you guys been engaging with star trek prodigy uh so far uh-oh. This is a no judgment until, zone. We watched until the first hiatus and then since it's been back we didn't watch it cuz um reasons. Our attention has been diverted because we were in various manners of quarantine whether snow or covid induced. Which you would think would you would watch more TV but then when you watch like every child's YouTube video on TV all you day stop. you don't yeah. want to watch more TV. Understood. And to be fair, as I think we'll touch on later, it's not always the easiest show to watch, even Ah, if you would like to watch it. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We will. We will definitely touch on that uh, in a moment. Um, But uh, yeah. So so uh, what what I came to know uh, is that uh, is that the clouds have not been able to watch Prodigy. So we're going to talk some news today uh there's tons of it and then when and then we will get into our uh spoiler cast of the of season 1a i think which is what is officially being called season 1a of prodigy with just ty and myself and uh the clouds are going to uh bow out um they're going to transport back to their to their runabout uh and 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 not be spoiled so uh but uh let's let's get to that metric ton of news let's uh i guess we'll recap some of the big things so far right so the first is renewals and releases uh the freshly renewed for season five discovery season four is set to return on february 10th uh with prodigy having just aired it's season one A finale. Season one B is set to be released later in 2022. Uh, season two of Prodigy has already been greenlit. Uh, Picard season two has been given a release date of March 3rd and has already been greenlit for season three. The series opener for the original series prequel show, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, is uh, premiering at Chris Clow's house. Uh, it's uh, scheduled to release on may 5th it too has been granted a second season before anyone has seen has even seen the first uh lower decks is currently scheduled for a summer 2022 release having also been renewed for a fourth season um so first off uh i i can't confirm this but if strange new worlds bleeds right into lower decks in august we will have had 52 straight weeks 
or close enough that it won't matter of original Star Trek for fans to watch on television for the first time. And I guess like I guess there's an asterisk that you can put up, um, you know, depending on how the 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 syndication worked in different regions. There may have been times in the 90s where they didn't air, you know, where there was a year's worth of Star Trek out there. But um, this is the first real one. This is, you know, directly from Paramount. Uh, so, guys, what what are your feelings about all of the announcements, especially the early renewals? And are you afraid of Star Trek fatigue? Ty? Yeah, uh, the early renewals are always interesting. It's, it's something I've never understood renewing a show before it has aired. Um, but in a lot of ways, like I'm reminded of uh, back when like Paramount Plus was CBS All Access and it really seemed like they committed to Discovery being the show. And it was sort of like that was the basket they were going to put their eggs in. And so right. when you look at it that way as this thing that like needs to drive the service, then it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, and, and the whole, the whole thing, like you said about 52 straight weeks of Trek, uh, it's just like awesome for somebody like me who has kind of like been a Trek fan, but is really now like really embracing it and really like making it my own and like getting excited about it. And like, I'm going to my first convention in like a couple of months, probably. Um, it's like, what a time to be alive. You know what I mean? Like you feel so like, you just feel so fortunate and like this fire, you just have this fire hose that's like, you know, feels very much for you so uh it's really exciting like i feel fortunate that i've been able to enjoy uh pretty much all of those series that you just mentioned uh on different levels uh mm. we'll, we'll see how long that continues but to me it just feels like such a like yeah like a, like a privilege you know like just a great time to be a fan um and i don't know if i'm very worried about star trek fatigue but i think i might be a little bit <clears throat> excuse me a little bit worried about like starfleet fatigue um mm. so the world of star trek is is like really really cool to me um <clears throat> but i will say like so this is going to be a slight uh prodigy spoiler and i'm sorry for that but uh as you can imagine there is a point where the starfleet uniforms come out for uh the, the characters on that crew um and it was simultaneously a really cool moment, but also a moment where it was like, okay, the show is like falling into the normal sort of orbit of how Star Trek shows work um, and sort of losing a little bit of the weirdness and uniqueness to it that now these are sort of like, I don't want to say too much about Prodigy, but that, you know, they're, right, they're right. sort of a yeah. Starfleet ish crew sort of. Yes. Um, and like, that's really cool. I don't have a problem with it, but I am sort of, I think, in order for all this new content to stay really interesting, it can't just be like, okay, you know, when are they going to get the crew? When are they going to get the ship? What adventures are they going to go on? It has to be um, a little more diverse than that. I think to continue holding my attention and Picard season two is the big one where it really seems like they're primed to go in a very different direction, like away from that kind of formula. Right. And I'm, uh, I'm like a little, I don't know, based on some of the trailers I've seen, but I'm ready to, <laughs> to watch it with an open mind and find out and hopefully enjoy it. Yeah. Rachel, I, I know that uh, Picard, you were, you know, you're kind of in, in the middle with Picard, but I think one of the things that you and I both agreed on was that it was refreshing to see people not in uniform. Right. And, and kind of regularly yeah. 
running around and just kind of being citizens of the galaxy in a in a in a galaxy where Starfleet exists. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about all of the announcements and and uh, are you worried about Star Trek fatigue? Um, no, I'm not worried about Star Trek fatigue. I feel like the the animated shows are at least of a different enough vibe that it doesn't feel like the same show every week once it's you know shifted right um granted i haven't seen all of prodigy but um like yeah uh you know i think picard and discovery have kind of similar vibes even though like in picard they're not in uniform or whatever but um yeah and then we'll see what strange new worlds is like um, but yeah, like, I think they're all like different enough that I don't think people are going to get tired. I think um, how I'm feeling is a little bit overwhelmed because um, like mm-hmm. as a person with somewhat limited screen time per day, uh, it's it's not just that there's so much Star Trek content. It's that there's so much content, content all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's- and it's like a lot of stuff I would like to watch. But, like, I only have so much time in my day, and I I don't feel like it's very healthy to watch, like, that much TV, too. And so, like, I want to, like, try to, you know, balance, you know, my little free time with, like, more healthy activities than maybe just watching, um, watching TV. And so then I have a very limited time, and it's I have to make all these choices and so it's, and then then it's like oh and i missed one and now i gotta watch that one before the next one and oh right. yeah right. and you know it really it piles up really fast and so i i guess i don't worry so much about fatigue so much as there's just so much out there for people to watch right. and it seems like it's just really hard for things to like really break through and so like i'm not sure like <clears throat> if you're not like a huge star trek fan if like any of this stuff on um on paramount plus is really you know breaking through and like making new star trek fans i'm not sure um but yeah that's where i'm at with it (laughs) chris chris we know we know we don't have to make a star trek fan out of you but uh one (laughs) one thing that one thing that rachel said that really kind of resonated with me was uh, talking about how much how there's so much content and you know it, it made me think about the non dystopian sci-fi show movies that we've seen um you know like a minority report or or something to that effect there 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 is always this like you're you're kind of inundated with ads and and things that are personalized to you and all of those things that they kind of show and display and we are not living in that version of the future but we are living in a version of that future where we do have this content that's kind of you know it wasn't made specifically for you but it was made for a type of you like a you type and there's all of this content and the content is interconnected and uh if you do miss you know uh like my stepson is He's watching Daredevil. He watched Daredevil, Daredevil season one um, after watching No Way Home. And he loved Daredevil season one. And then he wanted to go into Daredevil season two. And I was like, no, you can't do that. 
first you got to watch Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, and then you can watch season two, and then you could, you know, and and like I I could see him start to get a little dismayed, and he did it, and he liked it, but not everybody has that time. Uh, do you do you think that you're gonna have? So maybe it's not fatigue, but do you think that it's possible that ambivalence or apathy forms as a result of so much content? Yes, uh, but it's also incumbent upon the creators of new material, whether it's Star Trek or not, to have something compelling to break through the noise, you know? Um I think Rachel hashtag Rachel is right that um, I mean, well, all of you guys have spoken to the, the potential for sameness to emerge from Star Trek. And, uh, and, and that is certainly a possibility and a, a byproduct of sameness is, um, is a lack of distinction, I guess, uh, lack of uniqueness, which can certainly emerge now. Granted, I would not accuse the current slate of Star Trek shows of being uh, conformist to any particular degree. I think that they have all uh, done a pretty solid job of carving a niche for themselves by staking different claims to different sort of dimensions of, of the Star Trek universe. Discovery is very much the standard bearer for um, quote-unquote traditional Star Trek, but it is still doing things differently than a previous version of traditional Star Trek did. Picard is a legacy sequel, but it is also very much not TNG2. You know, it, it features that character, but it's aiming to challenge him in different ways and and test the limits of uh, of what he can bring to the table without the resources that he used to have. That's an interesting premise for a show to me. Lower Decks is in its entirely own universe, and I love <laughs> its insanity. And by that same token, I mean, granted, I haven't seen the latest episodes of Prodigy either, but um, what I have seen gives it uh, a little bit more of... Um, it, it feels like it's more new viewer friendly, which might be stemming from the fact that it's aimed at all ages, uh, which I think is a good development for the Star Trek franchise overall. And then you'll have Strange New Worlds, which is also like a weird legacy sequel prequel that structurally is going to aim to hark back to a former version of Trek and might be a more quote unquote traditional Star Trek, which is frankly not something that is really all that present, even with Discovery. So you can't accuse Alex Kurtzman or really anybody that's in charge of the Star Trek franchise right now of not trying to exploit it in a number of different ways. And that I appreciate. However, uh, the, the sheer wealth of material that they're creating does have a very serious potential to make people get lost in the noise and not lost in the shuffle, even if everything that those shows are saying is worth listening to. But at the same time too, in terms of external realities to Paramount Plus that aren't necessarily derived directly from Star Trek, I have to admit, and I'm saying this as a fan, the idea of Star Trek maybe being taken out of pole position in terms of driving Paramount Plus forward is a little concerning to me 
And I think that, that Halo has the potential to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The, the, um, the production value and the very few uh, reels of footage that we've seen from that show and the trailers that have been released, it's impressive. And that is a world as someone who has played all of the games and I beat the, the, I did a legendary campaign on Halo Infinite, so I'm all oh, wow. caught up there. Um, it, it is a rich world that uh, has a, a lot of potential. It has been exploited in interesting ways in very like strange depth, uh, extra fiction in the forms of novels and comics and things. But very few of those kinds of stories have been directed to a mainstream audience. And this show is absolutely going to do that. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about maybe the eye being taken off of Star Trek. Uh, but at the same time, even if, which isn't going to happen, but even if the Star Trek train stopped tomorrow, uh, there's still going to be a wealth of stuff to absorb for a long time. I just try to, every time I, I get like a little nervous about there being so much Star Trek, I just think back to myself in May of 2005, watching the last episode of Enterprise and knowing the drought that would follow after that. And that always reignites my appreciation for what we have now. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, uh, bringing up Halo is a a good thing. I think that um, that's that may be a positive. It may actually be a boon for both Paramount Plus and for Star Trek. Um, First off, my partner and I were sitting and, and watching something on Paramount Plus and they had the Halo intro, the the promo um, before before the episode, and she goes, "Oh, that's that's there's a Halo show coming," and she got excited, you know, oh. more excited than she would about than she has been about Star Trek uh, since early Discovery. She watched most of season one, but that was it, uh, and she does not play Halo at, hmm. at all. Um, so, uh, so, I mean, that was, that was really interesting to see, but also it makes me think about Disney plus where, you know, I don't know that if they just had Marvel Disney plus would be as successful as it is, but the fact that they, that they're bouncing Marvel and, and star Wars off of each other is keeping, you know, potentially keeping customers satiated and, and stuck on their app. Um, because there's not only is there constant original content, but it's constant original content from two different franchises that you that you know and you love. Well, so, I mean, I think I can attest to the first thing you said. If if a streaming service was specifically dedicated to Marvel or Star Wars, would it survive? No, DC right. tried yeah. that. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and it didn't exactly. work. I w- I loved DC Universe when it launched. Um, it was the only place you could stream the George Reeves show from the 1950s, right? But uh, it apparently was not doing its job, and all of its original content got shunted to HBO Max. Right. And um, now the only DC Universe membership service is is just comics related, because right. they knew who was subscribing to D- because DC Universe was a ridiculously ambitious service. It had comics going back to the 30s. It had TV shows going back to the 50s. It had a bunch of movies and it had original material. And it was all just based around the DC universe. But that was not enough to support a streaming service, at least for Warner Brothers. So 
Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. And I do understand what you're what you're saying in terms of the potential for a show or world like Halo to maybe bring more people into the Paramount fold, which then exposes them to Star Trek. Right. So like if you watch Halo and you're done with the season and you have to wait for a long time, what can fill the void? Maybe Star Trek right. might drive more people to give it a shot. Maybe that's what they're counting on. But, um, you know, I've, I've I'm just a little nervous. That's all, because I'm a selfish Star Trek fan. That's... Yeah, well, you, you know, it's those are these are all these announcements. You know, you can you can uh, variety is the spice of life. But but with the slew of announcements, um, it's led me to a problem that I know I've thought about constantly, but I don't know if I've really discussed it publicly. Uh, I think Paramount Plus, the Paramount Plus app is by far the worst of the major apps with respect to functionality uh, and, and even more egregious uh, scheduling discoverability. Uh, mm. it, it, it is um, the, the app for smart TVs, or at least the LG smart TVs. Um, I happen to have an LG. Um, I've actually had two LGs and in both of them, the CBS, CBS all access. And, and I think it's actually worse with Paramount plus uh, it, it is clunky. It's unresponsive. Um, you never know when anything is actually going to, uh, be, you know, be released. You don't know, uh, what the schedule is. You don't know how many episodes are, are, you should expect. Uh, like, have you, have you guys discovered these issues with, with this app, Rachel? Um, so I don't use the TV app. Okay. Um, Generally, I I use the phone app and stream it to my TV. It works just as well as like, I don't know, like Peacock does, right. uh, which is like, I mean, not the best. Um, the app itself is, I, I mean, it, it's responsive. It's just, I don't know, like it's definitely substandard compared to other phone apps. <laughs> I remember I was like trying to find movies that were like specifically comedies or something, and it like I it didn't it wouldn't let me do that. Like it, <laughs> it was just like you can't sort by genre, and I was right. just like I remember thinking that that's pretty weird, and that's something I think is a little bit standard on these sorts right. of things. Is to like, can you just show me the movies? And right. it was like I can't. I don't know. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, and I've also why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah, definitely had some problems with it not knowing I watched something. Um, not like recording me as having watched it so it's mm. like uh like doesn't go directly to the next episode or whatever mm. um more than other apps i've noticed um like that that happens from time to time um but on all streaming services but it seems like it's more often uh, yeah the paramount plus app isn't great um i think most of the apps are like pretty not good except for like netflix and hulu right. um but yeah, uh, Paramount Plus is definitely down there. I think Peacock is also not very good. So, <laughs> mm. Chris, uh, I, I'm sure that you and Rachel have uh, or use use uh, similar content delivery devices. So I would assume that your experiences are the same. Or actually, no. Um, yeah, the I think the the primary way that I have navigated Paramount Plus is through the Android TV app. 
Okay. Um, because it's easy access to legacy episodes of Blues Clues, which my daughter likes. So, and, and usually before Rachel gets home from work. So, um, in terms of navigating to that stuff, I haven't really noticed very many issues. I'm honestly, like, in, in the course of my daily streaming usage, uh, I think I'm weird. Like, it's more intuitive generally as an app, but uh, scanning inside an episode in Disney Plus is really frustrating yeah, to me. Sure. More so than than the other ones because. Mm-hmm. You know, the I've gotten really used to the other apps where you could just use a D-pad on a remote to scan forward and back. Right. Can't do that on Disney Plus for some reason, and it's huh. a weird, at least not on Android TV. Okay. But that being said, I mean, I don't think that any of the streaming apps are optimally designed uh, in just in terms of ease of use. Granted, that uh, voice remotes generally make things simpler, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I find myself using that a lot ever since we got um, we got a, a, a higher mid-range TV in uh, late 2020. We got a Sony. Uh, so Andro- Android TV is on board for those. And uh, a lot of them have voice integration. And I use that a lot. I, I, I liked Connect when it came out. Right. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I because Connect was amazing. Yeah, Connect was Connect cool. Was it was Connect cool. Was amazing. There's actually there is a an apartment building not far from here that is called Connect that is spelled that way. Really, <laughs> it's huh. weird because we're not in Seattle. We're like slightly north of Seattle, but it's there. But, yeah, but, and yeah, I but you're still a Microsoft it. country. Yeah, true, yeah, true enough. But either, country. yeah, I mean, either way, <laughs> the, none of the apps have been. Um, I've never been blown away by the usability and ease of navigation of any predominant streaming service app. Right. Uh, yeah. So Ty, uh, you know, inside baseball to, to everyone in uh, discovery debrief land, Ty and I talk all the time and um, yeah, you used the word would, publicly. You said you've never yeah. discussed this publicly. Uh, and that was a good qualifier because we have discussed <laughs> yes. this a lot. Yes. Yes. We yeah. So Ty and I Ty and I have talked about this. Um and he will he will text me and it'll be like, Hey dude, there's a new episode of <laughs> Prodigy. <laughs> and and he's surprised in the text. I'm surprised when I receive it because I too did not realize there was another episode <laughs> of Prodigy. Um, you know, and then it disappears and, and we don't know. And then, you know, and then you look on on the if you look on the app and you look in the designation for the show and it gives a little blurb about the show. At no point does it say this is when the show is airing. You know, this is when we're releasing it because it it only releases on, yeah. you know, on this time. I'm sorry, Ty, this is your time to rant. You go ahead and rant, please, sir. No, that's the biggest thing. I will say congratulations to Sony. It sounds like they really stepped it up sometime between when I bought my TV, which also has Android and is horrific and often does not get past the opening commercial that I need to watch before an episode. Um, so I'm glad that they've improved that experience, but I, I seriously have to switch over to my Xbox and, and watch Paramount Plus on my Xbox sometimes. Um you know, so I've had a lot of the other same experiences that you guys have, have mentioned. It's not very good at remembering. If you go back and watch an earlier episode, uh, like earlier today, I was watching the the first episode of Prodigy because I we just realized they keep referring to stuff and we don't we don't remember any of that for the first episode. <laughs> There's so much going on in that first yeah. episode, um, and now every time I want to watch Prodigy, it's gonna 
make me watch the first episode and then back out of that episode and go back to the episode oh, list. Geez. But none of that right. stuff is a huge deal to me. The discoverability is what I don't understand. I don't understand why on Thursday I ha I have to log in to Paramount Plus and see whether Discovery came out this Thursday or whether Prodigy came out this week. Um, and that's been what I've been doing because Discovery, they've been going on these breaks at strange times. I mean, Prodigy just did a two-parter and we were 100% sure that it was going to end with part one and then they were going to go on hiatus. And we thought Discovery was coming back. Uh, we were off by a week. They finished the two-parter and now Discovery is coming back. Um, which is fine, but to not to literally not know that, like, it's like, what am I supposed to follow you guys on social media to know when the episodes are coming out? Like, this is a very solved problem, right? Like, <laughs> there's a whole they used to make a whole they still do make a whole magazine for this, you know, like there's a whole guy <laughs> for what's on the TV. Uh, and you don't even have those constraints. Like you can right. you can push a message to my phone telling me that a new episode is out. Um, but you know, uh, unfortunately they don't do any of that. And I just feel like it's, it's, it's one of those things that makes it hard to recommend to other people that they get into the show because I'll, I'll be like, Oh, you should check out prodigy. But like, I don't know, it's on this weird break. And like, I think there's 20 episodes in the first season, which is really cool. That's a lot of episodes, but I don't actually know that. I like read that on a blog somewhere. You know what I mean? And like, I don't like, I can go I in the app the and look at yeah. Star Trek Prodigy and there's no information. There's no, you know, come back for new episodes in, in Mar what, I don't know, March or summer, whenever it's going to be. Sometime it's in 2020. Just, it's, it's just mystifying to me. I don't Sometime understand in 2022. Sometime in the past. The other uh, thing I do want to mention real quickly about the app, uh, the captions are terrible. We watch everything with captions for like a variety of reasons. And you have no, they're hard to find in the menus. You can't, you can't customize them. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's an inconvenience for me, but it's a real slap in the face to folks who rely on the captions to enjoy the content. So have you, have you, um, one thing I ran into one time when we were watching a Star Trek episode with captions is a weird lag. Have you seen lag in the captions between the lion's utterance and its display? Interesting. I haven't run across that myself Interesting. that yeah. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just throw it on the pile. That sounds extremely right, distracting. Right. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's needlessly so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? And and during the course of this episode, we're going to hand out a ton of flowers um, to Star Trek and the franchise at large because we love, 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 love the franchise. Um, by extension, we'll be sending out those flowers to Paramount Plus because they are the custodians of the franchise. Um, but but here's a problem, right? There is a problem. The the way content is delivered now is in a service that I pay for, right? Where I can watch your programming at my pleasure, right? Whenever it is available, I can watch it on demand. There is no reason for for and if your content is only available on that service there's no reason for me not to know exactly when that content becomes available like it it, it just it really doesn't make any sense um and you know i mean for that matter all of their content that's on there even if it is you know broadcast live someplace else i should have some way of knowing from the app when it airs live 
and when it will be available to me on this service. And, you know, I mean, that's that like you like you said, Ty, that that's a solved problem. I don't know why it is still one. It's one that we need to talk about in the fourth season of Discovery. For me, like every current Star Trek show is appointment viewing, and I don't know when to book those appointments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it, my hypothesis about is about this is what it comes down to is that like CBS is an entertainment company, not a technology company. I think Netflix kind of sees themselves as a tech company and they have a lot of software developers or, you know, like computer science people on board that are, you know, trying to tailor their user experience in a way that keeps you watching stuff. And I don't know that some of the other apps, especially these lower tier apps, but even Disney Plus, I don't think that they're doing that much uh, like user interface stuff um, like that they're not really like looking to optimize like keeping you watching on the app they're just hoping that their content is going to keep you subscribed right. um, and so I think that a, a lot of those things that, that Netflix kind of does that the the push notifications and um the, the watch something art. random button and yeah watch something <laughs> random they changed the, the like the cover images to appeal specifically to you yeah. um stuff like that and i don't think these other um streaming services are able to do that because they just don't have the like human resources <laughs> um, like the tile for ds9 for her will be dr bashir and for me it'll be jadzia it's weird huh. how like that's precise that's those can get yeah right yeah i know like it's definitely the it it's wild and it's wild how well it works. Like there's some, like I, I, yeah, I did dances with wolves. I never like Chris tried to make me watch that. I was like, I don't want to watch this. And then like, um, they, it had a cover image of West studio. And I was like, I love West studio. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I didn't know he was in that. Maybe I'll watch it. Like, wow. And I don't wow. know how it knew that about me. <laughs> like, You know, I'll go back to, we live in this future where, you know, uh, these companies have collected so much data on us that they know how to market their things to us to make it seem like it's our idea that we bought it. Uh, That's fine. They should just tell me what day it's going to come out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But like the other, the like they don't, like CBS isn't, as good as that at that no. as as some others. Yeah, and I think it, that's it, a great it, observation. The yeah, difference yeah, between a tech yeah. company and a like a well, media company. Like I know of at least one company that has explicitly said exactly what you're describing, Rach, and that's World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm a longtime pro wrestling fan. I went to WrestleMania 19 when it was here in Seattle, and I nice. so I got to watch Stone Cold Steve Austin's final match in person. Uh, I have some pretty serious issues with the management of that company and some of the deals they've engaged in recently Here comes the money uh-huh yeah the saudi arabian money yeah that, right. that's <laughs> big problems but um you i think it was uh it was one of the executives so it was a mcmahon who spoke about how they had a streaming service for a number of years the wwe right. network right um but they entered into a rather high profile agreement with peacock Right. And basically shut down their own streaming service and shifted all of its material, basically most of it at least, to that streaming service, including all of the live events. 
And one of the reasons was uh, that they're not a tech company. They're a content company. So they decided to shift the tech responsibility to another entertainment company, I <laughs> guess. But not doing a great but, job but, <laughs> with but the streaming Peacock, service. Okay. Peacock has, has Comcast, which is a tech-oriented component, right? Right, and, right. They've got more nerds working for them than, than, Vince, than, McMahon Jimmy, than Vince McMahon had yeah. working for him. Um, yeah, and you know what, Rachel, you you said that like you know, tech company, not an entertainment company, and 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 you know, pointing to Netflix as being the example of the tech company, um, and it made me think about the services that I have. I I've got almost all of them, um, and the other you have almost other, all of them and cable, right? I don't have cable anymore. Oh, okay. I don't right. have cable. I haven't had cable. I've cut the cord. I haven't had cable for two and a half years. So how much did you notice your bill was just chopped by losing cable? And how much uh, of that I, is made up for by the streaming services? All of it. Uh, I mean, so I've I wound up saving about a hundred bucks a month by cutting cable only because I had cable and all of those services. So all I've done is just remove the redundant package. Right. Right. Sure. So, so, you know, like whatever, I just spent it someplace else. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> but, but uh, one, one of the services or so Netflix has a great UI. We always understand it. And the way I look at the UIs, I'm an IT guy. I do all this stuff all the time. You know, I was a webmaster back when webmat being a webmaster was a thing. So, you know, like I feel like I'm pretty tech savvy. Um, but there are lots of times when I'm using these apps where I'm trying to figure out like how do I get to the thing that I want? Um, and and almost every app I have that question, except for Netflix, most of the time, and Apple TV. Or Apple Plus, or whatever, whatever Another that technology Apple, company, whatever the Apple, yeah, their UI is just like other Apple products, in, impeccably clean, very intuitive, just really straightforward, almost too straightforward, right? Like you, you'll wind up having four tiles for the exact same show pop up, just because that's the space that they wanted to dedicate to Ted Lasso that day, right? Um, but if I wanted to watch Ted Lasso, boom, it was right there. And now it knows that I've already watched all of Ted Lasso. So now it's giving me some other shows that it thinks I'd really like in that in that high profile banner. But I just scroll down and I see stuff and it tells me, oh, this stuff is on this channel and you can get this. And if I want to search, the search is right, right where I would expect it to be. And everything just works. Um, whereas... And I've I've found Peacock for me to be third or fourth, um, and Hulu to be second on the TV. Uh, but but yeah, but Apple Apple Plus or Apple TV or whatever it's called is very very great to use. I think it's another, Apple another... TV Plus. Like just combine everything oh that you just. Gosh. Said. <laughs> is it Apple Plus? Apple I don't TV know. Plus. Well, Apple TV is a, like a Roku. Apple TV is a product. I it's think. a specific yeah. device, but then right. the TV Plus is the service that delivers See, content. Yeah, that's. The plus I, has you know, to go. Look, like, like South Park joked about this, right? Like everything pluses. is plus now. 
and you're going to go to CVS plus and you're going to, you know, go to find bathroom plus and, Oh, you're, you're muted Cicero. I do. I do hope that at some point we, we get to a point where we've combined them back all together uh, into one service. All of them are going to be disparate right, right. and then they're going to coagulate into right. just TV. And that's going to be called cable. Yeah, yeah I have, right. I have uh, non-ironically wished for that yeah, over yes. the past year. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll it be $100 is. a month and exactly. uh, you can bundle it with your phone. With your phone <laughs> and your internet. And your internet. Yeah. Yeah. A few extra bonus channels if you throw in a few extra bucks every like month. You know, like some kind stars. of premium. Or, yeah. You know, I do think, though, that there is at least the possibility that I don't know if it's going to be anytime soon, but at least in the United States at some point and probably the the European Union and maybe the UK, there will be regulatory attention that is given to this precise issue Hmm. where you're they're going to come to the same realization that the cable companies did 30 or 40 years ago and things are going to look it's all going to come around again. Yeah, yeah, everything all becomes new. Um, you know, we we've told this story before. What, what was the what did they say in Battlestar? You know, all of this has the, happened before. All of yeah, this all will of this happen again. Happened, all of this will happen again. There you go. I still am um, interested by that though, because like we were just watching like Mandalorian today, and today's episode is a solid hour, and you know the the line between like what's a TV length thing and what's a feature film length thing has definitely gotten blurrier. So I think oh, yeah. whatever, you know, as that comes back around, it'll be really interesting. To you see. know, what else has gotten blurrier is Did the line watch? between the Mandalorian and the book of Boba and, Fett, and because I think you watched the book of Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. They could call it whatever they want. It's, it's clearly the Mandalorian season three. Like my wife keeps being like, so are they going to do book of Boba Fett season two? Or, and I'm like, I don't even know. Like what difference does it make? Like it's the same characters continuing the exact story from where they left off. It's like, if they were like, no, this isn't Lord of the Rings, the two towers, this is, the story of the wandering hobbits and like maybe maybe the lord of the rings will come back but it's like i don't know frodo's still walking around with that ring i don't i don't really mandalorian is the bible book of boba fett is a book in the bible right <laughs> there you go it's leviticus um <laughs> but yeah, no, you're absolutely correct Boba's, that i did not notice Boba's myself <laughs> naming the wrong the wrong show yeah it's the right show i, I we, we all knew what you meant because you're, you're right <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. it's funny how that's evolved. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, we're uh, coming to the end of our news segment, um, which means that we're going to have to bid farewell to the clouds. But before they go, um, what I'd like to hear from you, you know, it is a new year. Happy new year to the both of you. One thing that people do in New Year's is, is they have New Year's resolutions. So I want to know from both of you what your Star Trek themed New Year's resolution. What is your resolution for the franchise, whether it be in your viewing habits or your hopes for the things that you've that you're going to see during the course of the season or or during the course of the year or uh, something that you hope you will see? during the course of the year? Uh, well, I mean, I uh, I hope to keep up with the 
52 weeks of Star Trek that we're getting. <laughs> or catch up, I guess, because I'm already behind. So I hope to keep up with that. I think that's my resolution, is to just not fall behind. <laughs> All right, Chris. Chris, what about you? Is it is it just based on Strange New Worlds? <laughs> Oh man, look, look, I can't wait. I can't wait for Strange New Worlds. I is it over there? Can you hand it to me? Yeah. This? Yep. That I mean, I bought this oh, specifically no, because I was excited for Strange New Worlds. I didn't Chris I, is holding, of course you guys know, Chris is holding an Enterprise. Uh the Enterprise as redesigned for Star Trek Discovery, yes. the one that will be used well, for strange new world pretty much they've already tweaked it quite a bit like these the the flaps on the nacelles they don't have that separation anymore they look way more like they did in tos and it looks like they gave it the the white paint job like it had Mm. in tos but still a lot of this philosophy is going to be in strange new worlds and i just i wanted that i wanted that close to me while i work every day because this is the room i work in every day and i just needed that enterprise nearby to remind me of everything that I love about the Star Trek franchise that is encapsulated and encompassed by my love for this ship specifically. And I'm not just talking about the the fact that this is the Discovery redesign, but I never thought I would see this ship again in the prime timeline. I had made peace with the fact that I have seen this ship explode. That's it. That's the curtain on on uh, on the Enterprise as commanded by Captains April, Pike, Kirk, and Spock. Uh, never going to see it again. And the fact that we are going to see it again on a regular basis is something that I'm still just immensely excited for. Uh, but in terms of a resolution, I got to get to Strange New Worlds first. So I'm going to power through everything that I have uh, neglected to keep up with, which has also kept me away from here. So with that comes uh, hopefully a, a, a dedication and a renewed place among uh, you distinguished folks. So I want to come back home. Uh, Discovery Debrief is home to me as in terms of podcasting now. And, uh, and it's time to come home. But also too, you know, just being there day one for Resurgence, for the new game. Really looking forward to it. Um, but I think as any dedicated Star Trek fan would tell you too, uh, being uh, as dedicated certainly as I am and as you guys are, and as a lot of the people that I know who are into Star Trek, it's more than just a show. It's almost like a way of life unto itself. You know, there's a, there's a series of messages that I think are more important now than ever. And, uh, so a new year's resolution every year, even if it's not, explicitly stated is always to to follow the itic and to follow the ideals that i think this show puts forward at its best so that's what i got to say so incredibly inspiring right there uh, uh you know i am i'm ready to battle the Jemadar for you so <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh man it is it is great to hear you wax poetic about something um, for which you have a uh, boundless passion and knowledge. Um, and uh, it, 
I, I am privileged to be able to just kind of sit and listen, listen to you and listen to both of you um, just really kind of uh, expound about things that we all love. Uh, so it's great having you guys here. Um, it was, it was great hanging out with you. Um, but, uh, now you kiddos have to go to bed because, uh, uncle C and uncle Ty are going to talk about <laughs> some stuff you guys ain't ready for. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you, my friend Ty. Uh, it's good to, to meet you and thank you for coming aboard once again. And, uh, hopefully it won't be too long before we're sailing with you once more. Sounds great. It was great talking with you both. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Uh, And we'll be right back. So, Ty, now that we've gotten uh, the clouds off-boarded, they beam beam back onto their runabout and they're on their way out, it's time for us to discuss Star Trek Prodigy Season 1A. I can't wait. This season was really, or half a season is really blowing my mind. (laughs) I'm loving this show. Uh, I think at this point, I I may have said this in the last episode, but I I think Prodigy may be my favorite Trek uh, TV show at this point. Um, I I just, yeah, I'm so excited. Let's dig in. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, so before we dig in, uh, a reminder for our listeners that our episode discussions on Discovery Debrief are meant to be an accompaniment to your episodic viewing and not as a supplemental piece. We will discuss some plot points and obsessive details while glossing over and and or skipping some plot points altogether. Uh, please be sure to have watched our subject show, in this case, Prodigy Season 1A, uh, prior to listening to us. Uh, well, uh, so we've now learned a lot about our crew, Ty, Dell, Jin, uh, Rock Talk, uh, Zero, Jenkin Pog, and Murph. Um, I guess I should also include Hollow Janeway and the Protostar itself. Uh, who's who is your favorite character from this ensemble and why? Yeah, boy, I, I love this ensemble, right? How far we've come from when they first announced the show and they announced the graphic and it was like the, the 3D word art of Prodigy right. with all the characters like kind of standing with their hands on their hips. Like this yes. was really a show from, from the 90s. 90s yeah, real. we got attitude. <laughs> and I was like nervous, you know? Um, and then even throughout the pilot, you're meeting these people and you're like, oh, there's this a lot of people. There's a lot going on here. Um but boy, I really, I love these characters now. Um, I just rewatched uh, episode one uh, with my wife, Julia, and we were we were discussing this very question of who our favorite is. I'm glad that you threw the protostar in there. I love this ship. Um, it's just so cool and gorgeous. Um, but for me, I think I have to say Jenkin Pog has become uh, my favorite character in a lot of ways. Uh, I think he's had this low key journey, uh, somebody who was sort of like, you know, ready for the ideals of Starfleet and for like a kind of a, a team and a family to be a part of um, and has embraced it in a way that's just like really fun and heartwarming. And from their original, like sort of tricking him into arguing with them into joining the crew to now being this this guy who is 
you know, this brilliant engineer, uh, and also willingly joins in the group hug with rock talk after the, the time continuum split situation. Um, he's, he's probably the character that makes me smile, uh, each time he's on the screen. Um, but I really, I really do love this crew. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I, I, I was, I was team Jin for, for, um, I think it's Gwen, right? Gwen, Gwen. Yeah. Um, and I was team Gwen for, for the longest period of time because, uh, not only is she kind of a tortured soul, she's not exactly sure what's going on. They're all mm-hmm. kind of orphans, but she's the least orphaned mm-hmm. of the orphans. Um, but she has my most desired skill, which is she knows many languages as a polygot, you know, like, uh, if I could have one mutant skill, I would have the mutant cipher who knows all the languages. He knows all, all sorts of languages. It's the best, the, the best ever. Um, but after the time continuum episode, it's rock talk. Um, because she has become, actually, I don't know. I don't want to gender her or gender them. So I'm not sure it's a girl, uh, but they have become, uh, my favorite because the, the grace with which they handled that situation. Um, you would never know that they had gone through that even though they went through it and, and how isolating and how lonely that must've been. And then how much knowledge they've accumulated over that time period while still seeming like the youngest of that crew. Yeah. That episode was incredible. I mean, I felt like in a lot of ways that episode was uh, one of two, the other one being with the uh, Ferengi who was kind of Mm -hmm. like doll's, mother figure but where it really felt like they were getting into this groove of like a a star trek episode right like we got your classic like time continuum split thing yes yeah um that you have to use a combination of science and teamwork to solve you know just like classic star trek in a lot of ways and the other thing that was like classic trek for me about it was like boy like what they put rock talk through in that episode like when they said the stakes in this universe were not necessarily going to be lower than in the rest of the star trek universe i mean that really hit home for me because like you said she she doesn't make a big fuss out of it and i think they say that right they say something like how long how long was she by herself and hollow janeway says too long or something like that um but given the amount that she i do think they use uh she, she pronouns she to refer pronouns to rock right. talk. Uh, and so sorry if I'm wrong, but that's what I'm, I'm yeah, going to go okay. with here. Um, but you know, based on the amount that she learned, you can surmise it's been weeks, months, right? Right. A significant, something like that a, a significant on her own period of time, for, right. for somebody who is clearly a smoke, like in the first episode, doll refers to her as like kid and she doesn't object. It's clearly a, a right. young you know, a character who's on the young side, who's basically a child Um, and, and to not shy away from that and to say, right. Like how many Star Trek episodes do you get to the end? And you're like, the credits start to roll and you're just like, Oh my goodness. I cannot believe they put those characters through that. that. Right. (laughs) Right. That guy just had to kill his transporter clone or whatever, you know? Um, And, and that was how I felt about rock talks conclusion. And that hug, that group hug at the end was just, 
Oh, it was uh, really touching. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, um, there have been a lot of shows that have really leaned into sentimentality um, in genuine ways. You know, it, it used to seem like, and maybe, maybe the sentimentality was the same um, in the before times, but I think as a, if, it, you know, if it's not, the sentimentality is different. I think we're collectively are different um, as a result of, of what we've been through in the last two years that, that, these types of things have been popping up in different shows and have have uh, really evoked the type of emotional heightened emotional responses from from me um, when I don't know that I necessarily would have given them before or um, they're doing a better job of of hitting me in the feels. Yeah, I think that rings true for me, too. And I would say even more directly than that. Right. Like you not only have like this DMA thing that all these civilizations really need to work together to solve in discovery. Um, but you know, also in, uh, in prodigy, you, uh, Sorry, I, I I sort of lost my train of thought here about no, no, uh, okay. where I was going with that. I apologize for that. No, yeah, no no worries. So yeah, it's the the thing the thing that I think uh, that really kind of comes to comes comes into play is the fact that you you look at these kids and it's it's a kids show. It's really a show for all ages, but but they make the kids in this show very relatable. Um, for for you and and you wind up caring about them instantly they're so endearing i guess is 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 the right word for them here's a here's a show it's 10 episodes long and i love these characters just like you um and and uh am probably going to be a little sad when we have to put them on the shelves for the end of the season you know, depending on depending on where where we go, um, but also th- the fact that they're they're different, right? Like this is you know we know Star Trek. We've been we've uh, at some level we've we've consumed sixty years worth of canon and characters and alien species, but all of these species are are species that we've never seen before, and that kind of leads me into into uh, something else that like, we just. We we there's still so much we don't know about our main characters' respective species, right? Um, is it important to you, or is it uh, is it important to you that we don't know this stuff, or is it important to you that that uh, that they that to know that they exist um, and have populated the canon with more life and and you know more fauna. Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Because it all the question of like what species is it, like with doll, they're clearly going to make that a major recurring plot point, right? It's right. like where who is he? Where is he from? Type of right. type of question, right? Um but you know, with a lot of these other like they are from oh gosh, I'm going to mess it up again, but they are coming from the gamma quadrant. 
they are not coming from the Alpha Quadrant. So it makes sense that there would be a lot of species um, that have been collected by these Kazon slavers or whatever and delivered to the Diviner um, that we haven't seen before. And so what I imagine they'll do is like it'll be sort of a take it or leave it thing where maybe we want to investigate a little bit of rock talk species, but maybe that's not that interesting and it only comes up once and we move on. But maybe, you know, Jankum Pogs people are you know that's going to be its entire subplot um just just the way that there are still species on the discovery bridge crew that i have no idea who they are or where they (laughs) come from and nobody ever they seem to be totally unique and the only one of them i've ever seen but i guess nobody ever talks about it no special accommodations (laughs) are ever made or discussed or or anything like that uh and that's fine so you know for me i think it's like it it seems like they are going to like so we know they're interested in gwyn species the vow nakat or something along those lines um and then obviously with dolls like clearly that's going to be an important plot point um but you know i'm sort of fine if we don't really learn a whole lot about the others but but it does, I think, I, I was thinking about this, and it, I think it does get weird at a point. Like, these are all orphans who have, like, presumably been taken from their homes. At some point, they're going to want to, like, Rock Talk has not expressed any desire to, that I remember, go find people who look like her and who right. might welcome her as one of their own. Um And for that matter, I don't think anybody else on the crew has. And that, to me, was always, like interesting right like at the end of the first episode doll is like let's plot a course to uh boy there's a lot of stars out there and it's like (laughs) all of you were kidnapped from your homes yeah like surely one of you wants to go check out the planet that you're from or try to figure that out but they they didn't express a lot of interest in that themselves so i don't know if like i'm reading into it too much or if there's something going on there or what yeah, well, I think they they've definitely have uh, done a good job of having too much emergency to sit back and and think about those type of pedantic yeah. uh, uh, questions. Yeah, there was the murder um, but, planet, and then there right. was the other murder planet. Right, and, exactly, and they're still mm-hmm. running. You know, and they were still running away from Gwyn's Gwyn's dad, and the, there was you know, accidentally the traveling right. halfway across the galaxy. Across the galaxy. Yeah, right, yeah. right, exactly. Um, so yeah, so there were you know there were all of these things that were happening, but as we as we've uh, received more information, we've gotten more exposition. We we know about some of the things that are happening um to both the crew and more importantly to the protostar um i think that they'll there will be time for episodes as they're traveling as they're trying to figure out where they're heading and where they're going um to have those those episodes of discovery about the rest of the crew and and their backgrounds and 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 those things i personally uh, would be really excited to hear and see those things because then we can name the species, right? Then we can start talking about what what they are and who they are, and 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 again, we you know we've got this 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 galaxy that's rich and full of life and has been around for sixty years, and I you know I want. The, the Star Trek of today, not just to create stories in that 
in that space, but also to create canon within that space. Right. And and further, you know, and further enrich that space, not just with the stories, but with more with, you know, with different and and more inventive and and uh, more engaging species uh, to 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 populate it with. Um Speaking of speaking of the protostar, uh, the the revelation that the protostar has been booby trapped with a virus that can destroy the Federation was one of the last things that we discovered uh, before it went on hiatus. So I guess my burning question is: Is it the burn? Okay, so because you okay first because you mentioned a virus, I wanna I wanna uh, you know I'm gonna blame my. Uh, memory breakdown on uh you know the the pandemic experience that we've all had i think sure. all of us have experienced that right. give myself a little bit of uh grace there and i just want to revisit the point i was attempting to make earlier uh and i, I went out a little bit too far on the limb uh and i fell down but you know you mentioned that maybe the the shows were striking you a little bit differently because of that pandemic experience that we've all had um and i was trying to start to make the point right about not only do you have this dma in discovery but you also like that that time continuum episode um in prodigy where they got fractured across the different timelines and rock talk was by herself for so long um we're both like even more directly i think can be read as these sort of metaphors or allegories or whatever for these situations where people do need to work together even if they can't see each other or physically be present for each other um right like just because i'm not I don't work in an emergency room and I don't see the toll that all of this is taking on the folks who work there doesn't mean that I have any less responsibility to do the things that I can do. And, and depending on my role, I might have a huge role to play like rock talk, or I might be on, on one of the other uh, ends of that sine wave where I only have a small little difference that I can make, you know? Um, but regardless of where you are on that continuum, doing your part is essential to make sure that the group comes out as a whole, um, you know, comes out well from the situation. And so I think like both discovery and prodigy have had a lot of these situations that you can read even more directly as like these, you know, like I said, allegories or whatever, um, for sort of like what we need to be doing as a, as a society, um, to kind of overcome this thing. Um, but you know, back to, the end of you know season 1a of prodigy and this virus that's gonna turn the federation against itself and cause the yes. ships to the, the federation's gonna essentially go to war with itself um first of all i mean these guys have to start a cyber security division or something like that. <laughs> like get a new color uniform <laughs> you know what i mean like have because Every time they they're so excited to build these new things and these new technologies. And I don't know if Starfleet built this or what, you know, that's that's still one of the questions is like, where the heck did this protostar? Oh, there's so much to talk about, right? But in terms of the virus, I I don't know. It doesn't seem like it can happen, right? Like it doesn't seem like this plan can come to fruition. Right. Um, based on my understanding of sort of where this fits in to the timeline. And it also leaves us in this weird situation without a clear big bad guy for the second half of the season and i'm sure something can come up but the enemy is sort of like their own lack of remembering 
Right. The, what the, the enemy like, is ignorance. The enemy is like Gwen not remembering that she found out this right. this whole plot, right? right? And so to me, it's like I'm like it's a thing I would be nervous about with other shows, but with Star Trek, it makes me sort of excited, right? To see where they take that idea that there's not really a bad guy, but they are unintentionally, you know, uh, with nothing but good intentions of like becoming a part of, you know, right. maybe joining Starfleet officially. Right. Um, they are potentially going to, you know, unleash this super weapon. Um, and what does that mean? How does starfleet deal with that how do that how are they received in a stolen ship that might be carrying this virus even though <laughs> yeah they're also refugees though in a yes. very real sense so yes. what are yeah, your thoughts I, on it i don't so i think this i think there is the potential for the protostar to be responsible for the bird with this, you know, whatever this virus is, um, could be the thing that that starts the burn. But the burn doesn't happen until 600 years in the future from where we are in the Prodigy timeline. Um, so now that's, that's not to say that uh, the the crew of the protostar makes it back runs into admiral janeway who's looking for chicote on on the on the protostar um but it is to say that maybe they do discover the the crew of the protostar does discover at some point during the course of this the series what is happening what is on the protostar and they wind up deserting the protostar only for it to be discovered 600 years in the future by some you know by some wayward or you know scientific federation vessel who who then brings back the virus to the rest of the rest of the fleet and you know and it sets it it gets set off at a, at a certain point. Yeah. <clears throat> I, w- I mean, to me, it feels like a, a stretch. I wonder if we're, right. we've been conditioned by right. <clears throat> like back to season one or two of discovery where the stakes were literally the multiverse, like the existence of all existences uh, <laughs> was, was going to be ended if our heroes didn't succeed. Um, and although the stakes in prodigy seem to have the potential to be really serious at times, I, I don't know if they've really hinted at stakes that are that serious. I don't even know if stakes like that mean a lot to the, the audience they purport to be targeting this show at. So, so I don't know. I think we might be searching for a larger, like a bigger consequence uh, sure. than this show is maybe prepared to deliver us. <laughs> um, you know, what seems likely to me is that somehow they are going to run into to Admiral Janeway and, you know, the beginnings of this plan, this virus will start to unfold, but, you know, between the two crews of the protostar and the, it is the new Voyager, right? That Admiral Janeway is captaining, I believe. Um, Yes, maybe. That's my recollection from the end of the episode, but uh, I have to 
have to double yeah, check on that, that. but yeah, I'll have to double check that as well. But you, you know, the, the the continued existence of the protostar does <laughs> it can't just be flying around in active service doing missions for right. Starfleet, right? <laughs> like it's <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. Well, we you know we don't know, right? And that's that's so the, so another thing that that I really wanted to kind of talk about was. So if if the goal was to kidnap the ship and the crew uh and and uh reprogram the the hollow computer and then booby trap it with this thing why was it mothballed in fake dilithium or whatever this it is was chimerium in- yeah this is exactly yeah. why i just went back and watched the first episode because i really wanted to remember like the exact like kind of situation in which they find the protostar like its mm-hmm. physical circumstances and also to remember like what the diviner was like was he hiding it or was he looking for it or whatever and so right. you know watching the first episode again he does <clears throat> he does say that they've been mining looking for the protostar for all these years and it's just it's really making the questions add up and compound because it just feels like based on my understanding of where we are in the timeline you had to get voyager home Right. In like, I guess the version two where people are alive. Right. Ending of Voyager. Yes. You had to get Chakotay to agree to pilot this ship right after getting home from the super long mission, like, like fairly shortly after that to pilot another ship even deeper into space. I mean, presumably with the power to get back. Right. Not as deep because they're in the gamma quadrant. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But very far away into yes. uh, certainly a yes. deep space mission yes. with the potential of to never... again <laughs> yeah, right. be, be stranded really far from home. Then somehow, right. The, the robot guy comes onto the ship. Uh, bad stuff happens to Chakotay. I think he's in the transport buffer. Mm. Um, and the ship ends up in this asteroid planet thing buried deeply enough that somebody needs to, to mine with like a slave labor force for years to find it just, it's just raising so many questions for me. And I don't think that they're not going to have an explanation, but I am just beyond curious what that explanation is going to be. And it seems like it either has to be really convoluted or involves some kind of relativistic or some other kind of time shift to make all of that work out if I'm understanding it right. And I think I am because of, they just introduced Admiral Janeway and right. Chakotay and Admiral Janeway appear to be the ages, you know, it hasn't been 50 years since the Voyager got home. <laughs> right. Well, well, I, I mean, Admiral Janeway had aged. Yeah. But not, you know, so maybe it's been... 10 years since they've been home. Did you catch that the robot used it imitated Chakotay's voice to do the voice voice authorization? Uh, I, I think when he was like reprogramming the protostar computer. I kind of caught it, right? Like, like I knew that the voice was different, but I 
couldn't pick out the voice, but yes, you're right. It's yeah, totally I went back and like rewound and played it back, but it was like, yeah, okay. it's like it's not exactly his voice. It's like a roboticized, yes. you know, hybrid. But I thought that was a right. cool touch. Right. Yeah, right. And and you know, and Robert Beltran has come back, uh, so they used Robert Beltran's voice for that particular thing, mm-hmm. um, as played by Robert Beltran in the present, as opposed to. Uh, Bel- Beltran as Chakotay in the past, um, but which is which is a that's such a really cool point that no one picks up on except for the people that are watching the episodes several times to po- probably talk about it on a podcast, uh, which <laughs> which leads me to believe that the writers do have a plan, right? That there is. There is some kind of master plan here because they're, they're oh, I they're, totally believe that. Yeah, they're 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 you know they're so hyper focused on these details that they have to have had the time to you know they have the time to focus on these details because they have already developed developed a story that they feel very comfortable and confident. Yeah, about. I'm glad you've brought that up. That's one of the things I think that's been made the show such a pleasure to watch. And I think one of the things that's really been like missing from a show like Lower Decks is this this feeling like they really know where they're going and right. <clears throat> everything is intentional. Yes. And designed to fit in its own little spot. And like I'm genuinely excited to see what the story is that they're kind of piecing together and and gradually uh, kind of revealing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really something I did not expect from a show like this. I thought it would be a little more maybe fun and lighthearted and detached and not quite episodic, but sort of. Right, right. Like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Right? Where they kind of reset the zero. Or... Right. They kind of reset the zero, almost, you know, almost like a Rick and Morty for kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Like where right. they go on a misadventure. And then when it was all said and done, they, you know, you, you, you pull, you pull up next, next week and they're off for another misadventure. And that's not yeah. what the show has I been. figured all the serialization would come from just from the characters and learning about right. them. But there is right. actually this really big, you know, big bad guy, evil right. plot to wipe out all of Starfleet. <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a big one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to be fair and, and, you know, last episode uh, I talked about discovery and, and how the stakes are too damn high. Um, these are big stakes, um, but I think they're, they're appropriately sized uh, for the show and uh, just for TV, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. have to, right. You don't have to have something where, and, and I guess these stakes are right. Like ultimately, if the diviner gets his way, Starfleet gets destroyed. You know, thousands of civilizations, millions of of beings in in the galaxy will die, uh, and and you know, thousands of civilizations will be left to the mercy of whom whomever's there to pick up the pieces. Uh, so yes, you know, so those are, those are still grand stakes, but I don't think life itself will cease to exist, which is, which is kind of where the stakes are, have been consistently with, with discovery, which gets a little tiring. And I I love that even in prodigy, right. The, the reason for this guy's evil scheme is sort of this like nuanced grievance 
yes. with the way the Federation has interacted right. with his planet. Cause the story was sort of, it wasn't like they came in and ruined everything. It was like they came in and, and kind of split the planet between the folks right. who wanted to, I don't know, align with the Federation and, right. uh, and those who didn't. And I, I just really appreciated that. I was like, really kind of like almost impressed by throwing that right. level of, um, you know, that going beyond just like the blind unquestioning of like, yeah, the Federation is great. We've got it all figured out. Right. Um, I think that's really cool to see them toss that into the show as well. Yeah. And, and you know what is actually a great point that you're bringing up because there, there is, it's almost like they painted the uh, Federation to kind of be imperialists, right? Like that, the, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that these guys had uh, their own way of life and then they, you know, they've, they were introduced to a different way of life by the Federation and that way of life conflicted directly with with the way that they were operating. Now we don't know a lot. We don't have. He wasn't. He was purposefully not transparent about what that way of life really was. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I think. I think that we'll discover that that their way of life would probably wasn't as uh, altruistic or or as noble as. Uh, he would he was leading Gwyn to believe, but um, but none nonetheless, right? It was theirs, right? And, but yeah, and Discovery has shown us a world where you know the planet where half of the planet was uh, culling and eating the other half of the planet, or or something, right? Like well, that. yeah, that I mean that was uh, that's where Saru uh, 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 is from. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and like, so if, if that planet can eventually join even this broken down fractured federation of the future, um, then yeah, it'll be, I I agree with you that there's something more insidious going on, uh, with their, their home world or their, I don't know. Right. But, but it, but it does, it does pretend, um, a level of complexity that normally isn't reserved for shows where the audience is, the audience of prodigy, which I, which I respect, right? Like that's yeah. something that Star Trek would aspire to is to not pander to children, um, yeah. but to give them complex stories um, with, with complex feelings to uh, let you see how to triumph even in those, in those situations. And that's another thing that's so exciting about prodigy, right? It's like you and you and Chris mentioned this earlier, but like that potential to build this new canon and this new world and like this new audience that, you know, maybe someday they'll think Klingons are cool, but maybe right now they (laughs) seem a little, you know, old fashioned and uh, you know, they have this chance to really explore this new world and this new canon. Like Chris, Chris was mentioning the author Una McCormick, who did the autobiography yeah. of Mr. Spock. And I, I read one of the Discovery Universe books by them. Uh, I think it was called Wonderlands. Um, sure. And it's about Michael's time, you know, when she transports into the future before the rest of the crew catches up with her. Right. Yes, yes, um, yes. And it just, it really has a chance to, I might have mentioned this on the last episode. I can't remember, but it just really hit. She, you know, you really have a chance to get into Michael's headspace and to explore these planets that have felt um, mistreated by the Federation uh, and have felt like the Federation was not listening to their needs. Um, And I think, so I think it's cool to kind of like, you you know, you don't need to make 
the show prodigy about that, but to hint at those things and to create this more complicated world that you can build the canon, whatever that ends up being, right? We've already got books. Hopefully they start to put out a bunch of young adult novels, I'm hoping, um, in the Star Trek universe. I don't know if that's something that's slated to happen or not, but, um, you know, whatever else they choose to do, comics, you know, other shorts that they put on Paramount Plus, whatever that is, I think they've opened up this whole new world that they can give new creators like a lot of freedom and artistic license and draw maybe people who wouldn't be attracted to the Star Trek name normally um, to to be a part of that. Um, I don't know if that's a realistic vision of how things will work, but I think it's it's like cool to imagine. Well, it 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 definitely is an optimistic view of how things uh, could work. Um, and I personally happen to be in agreement with that. Uh, I, I think that's that's a brilliant way to think. And it was, uh, you know, very well said, uh, very well articulated by you. So uh, thank you for that. Um, and I guess, you know, we're we're kind of at the end here. Uh, I mean, there are plenty of things that we could have talked about with with respect to the first season or the first half of the first season of Prodigy. I think for me, the most indelible moment uh, was that was that uh, the the time the time continuum episode and and just how they were able to to put that all together and and you know it was just it was such a very Star Trekky episode um, but with these new characters in it and it made me feel things um, about myself and about those characters and I think uh, you know the allegory that you that you pointed out makes it even more poignant. Uh, what was is there anything that's stands out to you in the first season um i do agree with you that time continuum episode really stood out to me um i've also i've really been impressed with like the you know the plan that they had to keep possession of the protostar when they went back to the and to do this kind of like double cross um on the diviner i mean they really had me going right like it was really like okay wait is their plan ruined now like is hollow janeway evil hollow janeway now and like this is all over um and they've really created some like really right like i love i agree with you i loved that time continuum episode but i do also have these great images burned into my head from those big action set pieces right of like doll like jetting around like trying to get these uh these uh unwanted you know back onto the ship so they can like right. get them off of this asteroid that's about to explode and then you got the two miners that it turns out right. they're in love <laughs> and they just could never tell each other because they couldn't understand each other's languages yes. oh, and they man. just slid that in there and it was so, it was so was funny so but like so great. yeah like they've they've really managed to uh make it into something that really feels like trek it really feels unique and like it's filling its own niche and it genuinely has me like excited to watch new episodes when i see that a new one is out which which as we know is is always a total surprise and happens just by logging into the app and hoping uh so i guess i'll start doing that again sometime in quote unquote later in 2022 i'll I'll start refreshing my app to see if there are new episodes of prodigy but yeah i've been really like that's what stood out to me is i'm genuinely excited to see like what is this crew going to get up to next are they going to make it like you know what are they going to learn along the way and i just uh yeah yeah it's been it's been amazing yeah 
and uh, this has been amazing, my friend. So uh, that brings us to the end of this episode of Discovery Debrief. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would be so kind as to like, share, and subscribe to our feeds, we would be greatly, we would greatly appreciate it. If you subscribe in a place where you can leave a review, please do so. And we'd be honored to read it on the podcast at a future date. I want to thank our special guest, Tyler Monaghan. And uh, I want to say welcome back to Chris and Rachel. Um, Stay tuned to this feed as we look to come back with more regular recaps, uh, episodes of all things Star Trek, starting really soon with the return of Star Trek Discovery. But until then, go boldly, my friends.